Thanks for tuning in again, everybody. We're back with your favorite podcast, Lucas, Tigers, and Bronze. Oh, my. Are you going to answer any questions today for our Luca Nation? No. What's up, Luca Nation? My favorite episode. I'm coming to you on a Saturday today. It's uh, Coffee with Cage. Coffee with Cage. I never get to kick off Coffee with Cage. And we no, should just read can't. some of these, read some questions. You know what? I have a question before we start off Coffee with Cage. We'll do a, a, an intro to it with Kombucha with Coach Goldberg. Um, <laughs> question from, from one of the listeners of Luca Nation, an OG listener, if you, uh, if you will. Guy named uh, Cage, Cage Lawyer. I think it must be French. This guy's account. I hope I pronounced it right. He wants to know if you let the dust the dust settle a little bit here on all the craziness that's come out there. Dibs and fibs. Did I say fibs? I meant dibs and uh, and and all these fun things. Top shot. All these weird ways of doing. All these weird ways of doing the hobby. Have you had a chance to kind of just digest them all and? You know, this, this guy, Kajé Lawyer, this, this listener of ours, he'd like to hear Coach Goldberg's take on, on all these new platforms and things that are coming into the hobby. And, and, you know, you think they're good. You think they're bad. You think, you know, time will tell. You think some of them are going to last. Some of them are going to disappear. What's, what's, the, what's the wise, sage wisdom of, of Coach Kombucha? Shoot. I would love to see you in a courtroom, man. Your questions take like 17 minutes to, to right, ask. Right, man. It's called filibustering. That was a statement where people know what you think about the, the platforms. Okay. <laughs> so you've already answered the question. Well, you're, not allowed to, you're not allowed to lead in a courtroom. That would potentially be considered a leading question there. Sure. Uh, well, it, <laughs> it was a leading question. I approach it with curiosity. That's how I approach it. Uh, I don't know if it comes off like that always, but I hope it does. So like this morning, I was on a card talk live with Lou. Uh, I went back to our OG sports group and I, I just was curious, you know, how does dibs work? I mean, at the same time, that's how I got into Top Shot, right? It was a Coffee with Cage episode where someone asked us, what is Top Shot? And we did some digging and we were like, well, what is Top Shot? So we approached that with curiosity. Same with Star Stuff. So I approach all of these new platforms with curiosity. I did that with PWCC when I, when I joined or sent cards to their vault, even though they're not a new platform per se, but they were new for me. So that's how I approach them. I want to, I want to learn. I want to see how I could utilize them for my own benefit. Uh, I want to see, you know, how the market responds to them. Uh, Cause at the end of the day, like one man's opinion, my opinion doesn't matter. What matters is how the market responds to these. And I want to understand, you know, what is this? So I'll give you an example. Today I tweeted at Darren, Herman, who we had on the show, who's amazing, uh, one of the most knowledgeable finance guys in the card hobby space, in my opinion. And I tweeted at Dibs and I asked, you know, here, I'll read you the question. I said, can someone explain Dibs to me? The Jordan PSA 10 price has come down 40% off highs, but it's 20% up on Dibs. How does that make sense? And here's the response. And you tell me if that's right or wrong. Dibs doesn't track the market. It is made up of its own investors, anyone on the Dibs platform, the cards rise and fall based on Dibs investor interest. I could be wrong, but Dibs will correct. And then Dibs responded, correct. Uh, so I approach it with curiosity. I genuinely want to know how does it work? Why does it work? Because behind every one of these companies and platforms is a founder. And if you know anything about founders, founders are always 
creating or most of the time creating from a place of a need. You know, I'm, I think that the market needs this and I'm curious what that need is. So that's how I approach these platforms, Cage. You're on mute. So it really doesn't make sense. Dibs. Not to me, not yet. Because here's the thing. Investor interest sounds well and good, but what if that investor interest leaves, right? Or what if that... Like... <clears throat> I like it uh, only because of this. It's um, basically in this new economy, this new fun stuff that we have here, it's things are worth what someone is willing to pay for it. I'll say it a million times. Something's worth, someone's willing to spend. And dibs is just like Top Shot. It's just like anything else. The only confusing part of it to me is that um, they are at least on their face trying to link it to the card, which is what's confusing you, right? It's supposed to be a piece of the Michael Jordan. At least on Top Shot, you can you can explain its investor interest on that platform. This LeBron is worth five hundred dollars because well, that's what people are saying it's worth. There's it's not, a and that there's that, a level of price discovery there. Yeah, and and you would think that the 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 Jordan would have some sort of link to the tangible asset that it's being linked to, but at least for right now, it's not. It's carrying a premium because maybe it's a fractional portion because maybe it's a digital you know, version of it. I don't know, but here's a comment someone left on the Twitter post. Uh, I'll read it. It was actually a good thought exercise how he worded it. But dude, my first job at BlackRock out of college was a performance attribution specialist. And what I did for a job was BlackRock uh, is an asset manager, right? They take money and they invest it for people. Well, one of the things that they invest in is like an S&P 500 index fund, right? pretty basic fund. Well, that fund has to track what? The S&P 500. And my job was to figure out how much of that index was deviating from the actual S&P 500. Make sense, Cage? It does. Cool. Because if it deviates too much, it's no longer tracking it. Right. The, the investors are like, great. Like, even if you're, the portfolio outperformed the S&P 500, that might seem good, but investors would ask the question, it's like, well, why are we outperforming the index? It should be tracking the index and you guys aren't doing a good job of it. But here's the thought exercise. What's a better indication of an asset's true value? The price inside a friction-filled system with high fees, physical and eBay, or the price inside an instantly liquid, no friction fractional environment, bids. So his argument, this gentleman, is that actually eBay, even though we've used it as a benchmark price for this long because there was no alternative, is shouldn't be considered, well, he's posing the question, so I don't want to put words in his mouth. That isn't actually possibly the true value of an asset. Maybe the true value of an asset should be what it's, it, what it prices at in a liquid market like dips. Okay. I mean, there's something to be said about that. We'll see. I think it corrects downward. But, uh, say that again. You know, I, I said I think it corrects downward. I think dibs correct downward. I, I think that, the, you know, while you might be able to have some sort of a, an increase in value because of the fractional and because of getting rid of friction, what it reminds me of is when there's not a lot of, of stuff being traded and a lot of people looking to get into the next big thing. Perfect example 
and I'll talk to you guys about losses too. I don't always want to trumpet from the rooftops about gains, but you know, one of the things that I thought was going to be a genius move because it was frictionless and eBay had friction. It sounds very much like this dibs baloney um, was let me buy all the Denny Avisha cards Avisha that I can off of eBay at $3 each because they were, they were six to $10 each on Starstock when Starstock was, was, was first on, they gained some traction around Christmas time before Christmas. So yeah, because I mean, come on, this is, this is the easiest thing in the world. Take a hundred of those, pay 300 bucks, bring them all over to Starstock and sell them at 600 bucks because Clearly, eBay is not the right valuation because there's so much friction there and it's not liquid. Get it over to a dibs, I mean, Starstock, and you know, get the friction out of it and double your money because that makes all the sense in the world. And I did. And of course, by the time that I got my cards loaded up and in this frictionless environment, guess what? Everybody else did too. And the cards that were 6 to $10 each were $2 or $1.50. And now... They were less than they were selling for on eBay with all the friction that eBay has. You're such a so, clown, dude. You so, are such a Well, it, it's clowning to make the point. And the point is yes. what Dibs is today with a limited amount of things to trade on it and an almost unlimited amount of people trying to trade and therefore paying a premium to get on it is not going to be what dibs is like in a month or two. And you may see the same thing with Top Shot because when it blew up, there was series one and 90 series two moments. You know, there were just not a ton of moments out there. Some people had one moment. Some people had two. LaMelo Ball had one moment. LeBron had, you know, a bunch of moments. Or even he only had a few. You know, most people have one or two. Well, as this, so if you wanted to get in and buy your favorite player's Top Shot, you had one option. And a lot of people wanted to get in and buy Durant. So the Durant moment was flying well guess what now there's four durant moments you know instead of just one and and now there's you know a dozen lebrons and there's you know like there might even be five durants on this next challenge is over i mean there's going to be so many moments for these guys that there are more options there's more um supply on there and it catches up with the user base and all of a sudden i think that uh, you know it comes down to the mean and the things are no longer being, you know, a, a very limited supply with an unlimited buyership. So there's my take on it. No, and, and Lou, yeah, and Lou said the exact same thing. You know, right now there's only one true Jordan card on the Dibs marketplace, which is why the investors are flooding to that card. I, I just think the, the biggest thing for me is like, if you could look at Bitcoin or you look at Top Shot, it, it's fair to say all of the things we've said about it being a bubble, not whatever, but there's an element of price discovery because we've never seen anything like that. But yeah. with dibs, what's confusing is there is no price discovery because I could just go on literally and see what the, the exact same item is worth. So that part is extremely confusing to me. Yeah, uh, that's the difference. I get you. All right. So fire hey. away, Captain Kombucha. <laughs> I don't, I haven't drank kombucha since I left the, the States, but anyway. Uh, oh, do they not make it so good in, in Mexico? Do you drink like, you drink like, um, I don't know, what, what would you have down in Mexico? It's like something different. Mezcal, tequila. Yes, but, but tequila bucha. I drink. Te- I, you know why I drink kombucha? It's good for gut health. My health has been really good here because the food here is fresh. I eat bananas, coconuts, tomatoes, 
fresh fruits and vegetables. Tacos. Uh, no Chick-fil-A. I do miss Chick-fil-A. Tacos. Dude, my parents list. So my parents went on YouTube. We have a smart TV at home. They opened YouTube and Lucas Tigers and Bronzes on their feed, the Daniel nice. Norkin episode. So they listened. They loved it. They had, They loved it. So really, they loved that. My cross examination of your of your family. <laughs> they, they like that. They're like, no, this guy's rude. No, they they said you're a star actually, and so they said I, we have a good cadence. I want to thank the audience members who are of a certain age who got some of my jokes. I'm getting a lot of good comments from people about uh, step one, steal underpants. Step three, make profit, and never figure out step two regarding blockchain. And even some love about the uh, the Southern Oracle never-ending story stuff. So if you haven't listened to that episode, take a listen. That was a good one. There's some there's some hidden gems in there, especially for those of you who might be more than like you know 25 years old. I have a LeBron um, question. I yeah, will go, go for two it. different ways. Two LeBron questions. Do you want the LeBron top shot or the LeBron regular card question? Annie, go for it. I'm I'm in a good mood today. Went for a walk. <laughs> you know, I'm feeling energized. Burned some calories for the first time this year. So let's do it. Let's do it. Okay. Dimo Timo. Good friend. He's a soccer guy. Great content. He's always talking about just things going on. I think he's a Real Madrid fan, but awesome follow. Dimo I'm getting, Timo. I'm getting top's finest soccer when it comes in in either May or June this year. Nice. So that's the top. Maybe nice. Luca Nation, we can open up some top's finest soccer. It's actually quite a simple question. So he's been wanting to get uh, – sorry, let me just turn that off. Okay. So – He's been wanting to get a LeBron card. And he was wondering, did you get a LeBron 2003 Topps Chrome rookie in a PSA 10? Or would you get the ultimate collection, ultimate signatures 2003 rookie auto in a PSA 9? Roughly the same price. So if, you, if it's just between those two, the answer is, I have to ask a question to you first. Are you an auto guy? Right, because some people, you know, you have to know, especially with the kind of money that you're spending, you know, if you're a soccer guy, where does your collection gravitate to? Do you do soccer? autos do you do soccer or rookie cards you know do you what what do you like what do you want to do in your collection i don't have too many autos um maybe i'll change that maybe i'll add that but i don't do too many autographs on you know cards uh, I, I guess i'm just not into the autos as much i'm more of a rookie card like a you. I, I, I got some kobe's but not I, rookie autos you know i have some Devonte grams just because you know when i was buying lots of Devonte, there were autos in them um but yeah i don't really have too many you know autographed cards it's just not the centerpiece of my collection so to me this is a very easy answer you know all things being equal give me that lebron psa 10 tops chrome um even if i were into autos a little bit i still would probably lean towards that one and and here's why right there are a ton of lebron autos and i don't know that auto but i do know that lebron chrome rookie uh, there are a lot of LeBron rookies, but that Topps Chrome, for whatever reason, has been the head and shoulders, the one, you know? So when there are people who are outside the hobby looking in or people who are looking to get in the hobby, people who don't want to spend the time, and we're talking people with money now, and we say to the person who's their broker, the person who's going to be buying the cards for them, they say, go and spend money on LeBron, make sure, you know, put a portfolio together of cards, make sure I get a LeBron that LeBron 2003 Topps Chrome in PSA 10 is going to be the one that they want in their portfolio. The auto you're talking about might not be the auto they want, um, but that will always be the most sought after LeBron rookie card. So as far as like, you know, safety in, in the asset, that's the one to go after. Garbage pale kids. This is a good okay. one. Paul asked, Paul asked two questions. I wanted to ask the first one here. 
Garbage Pail Kids did a game game stunk. <laughs> That's so funny. Garbage Pail Kids did a game stunk limited print run of thirteen thousand seventy five. The sale on tops ran for eight days right after GameStop Reddit all that inauguration madness. That's a super iconic moment in our history. The cards are starting to hit eBay. Is that a short-term play because it's so fresh in our minds, or are those a long-term hold? Um, I didn't even know they did it, so I, I would say probably short-term play. And I have some of those, not the, the new ones, but some of the originals, the OG set. And I have to tell you, I don't think those fall in the same category as the – and I'm talking about Garbage Pail Kids overall as an investment I have some I'd love for them to go up, but they were a very limited collectible to a very limited audience. You know, 1985, 86, 87, like that's it. And then they were done, right? So it's very different than people comparing them to like, are they going to be the next Marvel cards? Are they going to be the next Potter cards? Are they going to be the next Pokemon cards? It's going to be the next thing that people put their money into, right? Wrestling. But here's the big difference. You turn on Netflix right now, you got Pokemon, Right. And there's movies, there's, there's Detective Pikachu, you name it. Wrestling is on every week, you know, multiple times a week, with different organizations. Soccer, they're playing it like crazy. Um, you know, Pokemon, we compared to Potter. I mean, it's a huge franchise. Movies, you name it. Books, you know, the world in, in Universal Studios. Garbage Bell Kids Tops still makes them. And yeah, they have releases here and there, but they're not a huge. IP. They're not a huge intellectual property that, you know, there are some classic ones that carry some weight. I think an Adam Bomb recently sold for like $30,000 in PSA 10. Um, but I think that the user base for those is small. It's a little older, you know, and it, it would be like, it would be like my generation. So, you know, it's not the people who are coming into money anytime soon. Um, I think it kind of missed its, its, the you know, the time, right? Yeah. I don't think it would be something I'd be buying for long-term, um, you know, value garbage buckets um, for all of those reasons. I mean, they're, they're just not, they're not as huge of an intellectual property as any of the other things that have kind of exploded. I mean, I mentioned Marvel, come on. When my son and I just watched the uh, Captain America, it was the winter soldier Falcon and the winter soldier last night. First episode came out yesterday. We watched, I mean, we're still doing Marvel stuff. So garbage buckets is not the same now. I could be wrong. Maybe they come out with a movie next year or, you know, or, you know, this GameStop thing is so successful that they start releasing it and it, it picks up again. It's possible. I just don't see it. Tony Mo 12 asks, do you think there's a play with SGC considering their fast turnarounds? Mine took seven days. And let me add a little layer that was going on in our uh, group chats this morning. Someone bought a Starstock B sent it to SGC, had a seven-day turnaround or a few weeks. I can't remember exactly. Uh, super quick. And it came back at 9.5. Right. Well, I mean, listen, that's it uh, doesn't surprise me. Um, I don't think I will ever do SGC. Um, for me, it's basically, you know, PSA or don't grade it. Um, now, that could change. That's where I am right now. I think I'm more open-minded to um, to some of these other grading companies uh, going forward than I was before PSA raised their prices. I mean, I have to do some research. If SGC is really turning, I mean, how much do you pay for seven-day turnaround? That had to be expensive, um, you know. But if they're really able to keep it, it, and turn cards around, then yeah, I mean, there's definitely a play with SGC. My problem is this is what SGC and all the other guys have to get over. I will look for a card on eBay and I will type in PSA 10 
But even if an SGC 10 shows up, I just pass it over. I'm not going to buy it because it's not what I want in my collection. If I want a card, I want to get a PSA. I want the slabs to be the same. I want, I know what it is. And I, I think that's part of the problem with, with trying to get into SGC now it's you're never going to sell it for as much as a PSA card sells for. And it's just how much, what's the percent you're going to get? Is it going to be 50%? Is it going to be 30%? Is it going to be 60%? Does it depend on, does it depend on the card? Um, so with that variable and the inability to know, okay, this is where it's going to sell for. I just don't, I don't see myself using anything other than PSA. And it's sad too, because PSA got really expensive. So it's for me, it's either going to be PSA or nothing. So, I hope I maybe that'll change if people start to adopt SGC, you know, and you start to see that prices uniformly at 80 or 85% or whatever it is at PSA. And you know that that's what it's going to be. Okay. Then you have some certainty in pricing, um, you know, and if you're going to get it back in half the time and sell it for 80% of the price and you know that and can count on that, then sure, I'll, I'll do it. I just don't like gambling when it comes to cards. Right. I mean, we've talked about this a bunch of times and to me, Putting a card in with SGC still feels like a gamble. Okay. Well, GTSM.high asked a similar question. You answered the first part, but the second part will be helpful to some. As I catch up on episodes, I'm not sure if you guys have covered this, but do you think SGC grading at the cost and ROI is a play? And what type of cards would be niched to send to them? Obviously, you just answered that and you said you don't have that strategy. But here's what he asked next. And also, how are you going about the PSA grading increase? And what would be a good price range of raw cards to submit for an express grading service? Five day. Yeah, I mean, it better be a four-figure card if you're sending it in for five day, right? Because they're charging you 100 bucks. I mean, more than that, right? And they're charging you a crazy amount of money, $175. So, you know, to me, before you start thinking about uh, sending in a card for $175 PSA, you got to check the PSA 9 on it. You got to make sure when you look the card over that it's not going to be less than a 9, which is getting harder to do. Uh, I'll, I'll answer the question, then I'll tell you about my own PSA sub recent, recent return. Um, it, you know, you make sure you're not getting, but, but at 175, you better make sure that you're not losing money on a 9. You know, you better add up what you paid for it raw. And that grading fee of 175 and make sure that you're getting at least that on a nine and making money on a 10. So that's how I would do it, guys. Look, if you have a $50 card and you're going to spend $175 to get it graded, that, that card as a PSA nine better be at least, you know, 250 bucks because then you're breaking even after all the fees and postage and whatnot, you know. Um, and it better be, you know, something that is a 250 as a nine, but, you know, as a thousand bucks or so, a little close there too as a 10. So I'm going to tell you guys. I've been grading cards for a long time. And we're talking about getting, you know, subs back every month, bulk subs, value subs, hundreds of cards every month. Um, I just got back the grade. So I'll get the card this month of something that I sent in that I wouldn't, I probably wouldn't have sent in any of these cards with the new pricing, but I think it was July. I sent it in and I, I, it might've been $8 a card still might've been $9. A card. I don't think it was $10. I think it was either eight or $9 a card. It was all, you know, uh, send in over a hundred and it's value sub the whole deal like real real cheap and it was you know it was a bunch of kyle lewis's you know 43 kyle's 110 cards bunch of you know tops flagship kyle lewis um and i was buying a ton of them after i recommended them to you guys and just you know pick the best 43 out of 100 and something that i bought i sold a bunch off raw 
the ones that shouldn't have been graded. So these were like my 43 best out of buying a couple hundred of them. Um, and what was weird about it was I didn't get a lot of nines. I mean, I got a few. I think of the 43, I got 30 tens, which was good because these are supposed to be my best ones. But of the remaining 13, I think I got four nines and nine eights. Now, I can t- I could probably count on my hands how many eights I've gotten before these last couple of subs. We're talking about grading for years and getting no eights, just all nines and tens. And I think overall of the 110 cards, and some of them I wasn't expecting a 10, you know, some of them were just cards that, you know, Ian was like, hey, just grade these. I want to get them in a slab. You know, like we pulled it out of a pack. I knew it had an issue on it, but, you know, some Mike Trout blue card from Select. Okay, just put it in a slab for him. But, you know, I think think it was approximately 60%, maybe a little less than 60%, uh, maybe high 50s percent um, tens, which is low for me. Um, but what was weird was there were a lot of eights, a lot of eights. The one, you know, the cards, the let's call it 40 or so that weren't tens, at least half of them were eights, which is just odd. And I think you're probably going to see more of that also going forward. Um, you know, they're rating tougher, which, you know, not a good thing, I guess. <laughs> we'll see what happens with that. You know, people get people put these subs in, you get buy back, back a bunch of apes, and you start losing money. That's a quick way to get rid of your backlog, but it's also a quick way to kill your business. So we'll see what happens. All asks, I, I can never say his last name, Paul, Paul Ruxenas. Paul Ruxenas. In five years, is the market cap higher for LeBron moments or LeBron physical cards? Card Ladder has LeBron market cap around 770 million currently. I believe his top shot moments were around 200 million or so. So I think. Dude, some of these questions are legit, guys. You, I hope you guys give Cage enough credit for how difficult some of these questions are and how he's able to, on the fly, you know, think about, oh, this, this, this. So shout out to you, Cage. That's not an easy question. I like it. And you guys also should know, when did you start doing yeah. these questions? Like yesterday? Like, I don't look at these questions beforehand. I think it's more fun to just kind of like, you know, try to do them off the, you know, off the cuff, right? I mean, you get a real answer out of me. So one- well, You haven't I mean, posted on our Instagram feed since like September. So I just assume you're not on Instagram. <laughs> Pretty much. So, so here's the, 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 the first part. Great question. Because you don't just ask, it was asked with, here's the market cap right now. So I'm going to come at this in, in, in two ways. One, I think there will be a correction um, in Top Shot, or let's not call it a correction. I think there'll be, you know, price discovery and continued price discovery um, where some of the LeBron moments kind of go up and some of them go down, um, as there are more of them. But I think the tangible asset always wins out because over time – the you know there's going to be a lot of a lot of, of LeBron cards still and a lot of appreciation in them. But what Top Shot hasn't done yet, and here's kind of like the cheating part of the answer: they have minted, but haven't figured out how they're going to do it yet. These ultimate series, you know, they're like platinum ice, um, and they're going to be every moment that LeBron has already, so you talk about the Series 1 ones, you know, these cosmic ones, the versions of the whole deal, out of three and one of one. So if these cosmics out of 50 are unavailable on Top Shop for a quarter of a million dollars, like you can't even buy one. If you wanted to offer $250,000 for one right now, you can't even, can't even buy it. Um, mm-hmm. And that's out of 49. 
what's the one of one or one, two, three out of three going to go for? They're, they're most likely going to be auctioning them, either auctioning with moments or auctioning them with, you know, money or, you know, I don't know exactly how they're going to do it. I don't think they even know how they're going to be doing it right now, but, but every call you could check on a crypto slam, like every, every moment they have has one of these like platinum ice, I think they're called, you know, out of three. So, so, you're, I mean, that's the, it's going to be a small impact, but you know, there's a couple million dollars to the LeBron market right there when those things get added in. I think ultimately, you know, the the you know the top shot market, it's going to grow, but I don't think it ever really catches or comes close to the the, the tangible asset market value. MBT Sports Cards, one of my favorite follows. What's up, Will? Warning. Warning, Cage. This warning. may like be warnings. a ranting question. Maybe What's a random or ranting? Ranting, ranting. Oh, nice. My favorite. <laughs> what strategy, if any, should be used for newer product? Select football, prison basketball, with PSA grading now that there's a higher price for grading them. Is it too soon to switch to BGS Ew. or HGA? Salvage <laughs> possible profit? Or do we bite the bullet and stick with PSA and do the higher grading cost? BGS it is, is cost. There is I, the worst. Sorry. I don't know the right answer for this yet. And I think I'm going to figure it out as I start to open. But, you know, we do Friday opens, Ian and I. And, you know, I have these cards. I put them to the side. And I know, okay, this is the one I'm going to grade. But the last few we've done, we've opened up, um, you know, Topps flagship baseball. And we've opened up um, some some uh, mosaic recently. And, and yesterday was, uh, was hoops. Um, premium stock we open up a mega box you know we got a jama rant in there rookie it's 1920 still we got a zion something or other we got like a couple of these you know purple and blue you know disco variants that come in the boxes but we looked over the boxes and there's like you know a couple hundred dollars worth of boxes i mean these are not cheap you know retail right you know we, we open them up and you look at them and there's some nice cards but not a single one of them was i willing to pay the grading price on and this is, these are cards that a couple of weeks ago, I probably would have sent in a half dozen of those cards with the prices. So I don't know what the answer is. Um, I'm waiting for uh, somebody to come up with something that, that they haven't come up with yet. And that is the best way to move these raw cards, whether it's a consigner or, or, you know, some way of doing raw, you know, eBay or, you know, I don't know if, if I'm going to be sending, you know, 20,000 cards to Dan Nothi and they, you know, at his takeover soon. I, I really don't know exactly what the right way to do it is. But, you know, ultimately, unless that gets figured out quickly, I really do think it's going to have an impact on wax, on wax prices. Um, I think you can see some disparity and, you know, maybe it's a good thing, right? Maybe, maybe you won't have hoops premium stock next year. Maybe you won't have Dunris clearly wipe my ass authentic or whatever the heck that thing was, you know? Um, I don't, uh, maybe you don't need those things. You know, maybe, maybe those low level, you know, things are just, you know, open with your kids and they don't get graded. Maybe we don't have to have 47, maybe it's just super premium and some low level stuff. And uh, maybe we don't have, um, I'm trying to think of like, you know, a good version, you know, who, maybe you have hoops, but you don't need hoops premium, you know? Don't you think that there's some element of these price increase that's actually a benefit? Because like you could buy any card basically last year and send it to PSA and make money. So? Well, that's not necessarily the reality of a, of a good marketplace, is it? Why not? 
because anybody could come in and make money off of it without any skill or expertise. Correct. So, so take it through. Is it a positive or negative or is it a gray area? So you take it through to its next conclusion, right? And remember who, who the end user of our podcast is. It's not just the person who is buying those cards and sending them the PSA, right? So take it through. We're in a, you're talking about a market, talk about bigger than the market, talk about the overall economy that's created by that market, right? So, so you tell me, PSA, the ripple effect. And we've talked about this. Check out my blog, guys, if, if you haven't read it yet. Check it out on our website, lucanationnetwork.com. Your answer. Ready? You're right. Maybe people should not be able to open up every product and grade it and make money. Okay? Maybe that's not a good thing. But if you don't, and, and people are no longer going to be opening up every product because they know they can't make money in it, they can't grade it and make money. Well, then there are products that will no longer or should not sell, especially not at the markup that yeah. you've got on them. I and mean, I can name you and I can name a ton of these, right? So if the lower end products are not selling, who does that impact? Okay, because now the average Joe can no longer make money. Because the way you said it, the market shouldn't be like that. Markets are not supposed to be like that. Okay, so you're right. So now average Joe collector is not able to buy – doesn't want to buy it because they're not making money. Well, the average, first two people – Average Joe flipper. But I would actually – Flipper, argue, that's fine. Average Joe investor – I would say like average Joe collector like and his son – now they could open a box of Revolution because the prices have come down and they're just opening cards and they're getting cards that are exciting, but they're not, they're not in it to make money. They're That's just fine. So you're taking out the flippers, which is 90% of the people buying those cards. It's and then what, what happens? Yeah. Creating, well, so market, if, creating liquidity. Market, and if you take those people out, you know who gets hurt? The first two right off the bat, your LCSs, right? Because they were marking the prices up. And two, your breakers... And anybody else who had made a market for themselves by bribing someone at Target or Walmart to flip a $19 blaster of mosaic for $75. It is an entire economy, that whole lower level of people that is not the end consumer, the person flipping, the person ripping with their kid, that basically a lot of people who are listening to us, a lot of people that this hobby explosion has been built on. The people who are flipping are no longer flipping because they can't. Because they're not flipping and because they're not putting their money back into this hobby collecting ecosystem, there is every breaker in the world can't also make money, right? So everybody who's got you know a, a, a phone in their hand who was able to make money flipping any product they could get their hands on, why? Because the people below them were able to grade and make money on any product they opened. So now you have the cards, the card stores that are not doing as well. You got the retail guys, those breakers, and the small guys who are not doing well. And you know who else is not doing well? A third, consigners. Hmm. Because now you don't have the – I'm not talking about golden, but I'm talking about everybody else, the people who do consignments on eBay. And they're not doing as well because they're not getting a steady stream of those low-level flips that people are making money on. So you know what you just did? Everything we talk about in this hobby, whether it's Top Shot, whether it's uh, Dibs, whether it's Fibs, whether it's, uh, you know, what are these other ones? You know, they're all pyramids. And I don't mean a pyramid scheme. They're all pyramids. They're all, there's a top of the food pyramid and there's a bottom, 
right? And that entire bottom, if you can't buy a product, make money on it, then you're not going to buy the product, right? There will still be some people buying them, the people with their kids and collecting the whole deal, but that is a very small piece of it. If, if you take that bottom level out, well, then the people above them have become the bottom level. And everybody moves down a little bit on that pyramid, right? And now you no longer have as many people making money in the hobby. You don't have the breakers. You know, maybe the ones who survive are, uh, are uh, cards and coffee or whoever else. It's just the, the top level folks. But if you don't have the people aspiring to be them, you know, the people breaking with them, I think the whole thing kind of comes crumbling down. I really do. I'll say, I, so while you were talking, this reminded me of like a seventh grade kind of biology class where they talk about, you know, food chains, right? Food chain, yeah. I mean, you're a kid, you're like, man, predators, they're so bad. Like, they're That's right. Baby deer. But actually, what's super interesting about food chains is when one link of the food chain breaks, the whole thing's screwed. Yes and no. I'll say it. the food chain changes. And I think what we're seeing is with the development of NFTs and internet startups in the card hobby space, the food chain changes. It doesn't necessarily break. It just has to adapt, as Darwin would say. It's not the strongest that survive. It's the species that's most adaptable. Uh, so, so NFTs might be what replaces the flipper on the bottom who is buying cards and flipping them after going to PSA and doing it. But if that's the case, and let's just use Top Shot as a perfect example or Dibs or Starstock or any of these things, then the same thing I said holds, right? The hobby has adapted. People are now putting their money in digital assets. Yep. But eBay suffers. PSA will suffer. Card grading overall will suffer. Breaking will suffer. Unless... Top Shot gets to a point where breakers are breaking Top Shot packs or whoever it is comparatively is doing it that way. And, um, you know, and only a few will be able to adapt. But, but make no mistake about it. This hobby resurgence has been built on the backs of people flipping, right? The folks listening to this, the, the flippers, the people who have made money on it. And if you take that out of the game, yes, some of those people will, will, flip their game they will go to um top shot they will go to dibs they'll go to some other way and do it because you know entrepreneurs are entrepreneurs they'll find a way to do it but if you if you go that route then those third-party businesses that are out there unless every breaker turns into a, a photo frame maker for how you display your top shot moments or figures out a way to you know to capitalize on these this new you know digital platform a lot of these people are going to be they're going to be struggling they're not going to be not going to be you know swimming in the money the way they were and things like the national it's going to be pretty interesting if everybody's doing dibs and top shot what do you trade at the national i'm going to have a i'm going to have a top shot display at my booth yeah i mean you might if what you're saying is right and the food chain can survive because it's just it's just about adapting then yeah you should expect a national 2 years from now where several booths are big screen monitors showing off their top shot moments. In this, in this scenario, we'll move on because we have other questions. Is Are flippers and breakers predators? No. No. No, the top they're, of the pyramid, the predators. They are breakers. Breakers are predators, but they're like low-level predators, right? So, so you know, they're feeding on the uh, on the prey at the bottom level. What are, what are the Walmart people? Are they decomposers? <laughs> Maybe. The Walmart people, you know, 
I would say that, uh, listen, I, either the Walmart folks or, uh, you know, the people who work at Walmart or the breakers are, are some form of a parasite. <laughs> that's, where, that's where I'm going to put them, you know. Um, all right. Listen, I don't mind this, by the way. PSA gets so expensive that I can walk into a Walmart next year and buy some retail at retail prices and open them with my son. I would love every minute of that. We'll but, see. I mean, we'll see. We, we Cage has experience, but at the end of the day, we're, we're no gurus. The market's going to do what the market does. It'll be fun to revisit this in a year. Cardboard yeah. athletes. Sounds like you, Cage. Cardboard oh, yeah. I have 100 on Starstock. What's the best strategy to make a nice profit over the next few months? Specific basketball players, A's or B's. Specific baseball players, A's or B's. Are there cheap options to ship to SGC to possibly profit from there? So quick thing, we actually are extending our partnership with Starstock. Really excited to announce that. We'll have more details coming soon. Uh, also use code LUCANATION. You're going to get $10 off any deposit of five or more. We have a lot of exciting stuff coming up with them. And please be sure to check out Conrad's, Luca Nation Conrad's page. He does a should you invest section on Starstock. So that's going to be hugely helpful. But curious to hear your thoughts. So... A hundred bucks and you want to turn profit on it on star stock. Don't think about grading that, you know, take the SGC. Let me find a card and send it to SGC out of the equation, right? The best way to do it is going to be, you have to do a little bit of fantasy research right now. And right now is the time to be buying baseball, right? There's spring training games going on, but people aren't watching it. People are watching March madness right now. People are watching basketball right now. Nobody's buying that baseball stuff, but that will change in two weeks because opening day is coming. And what you should be doing right now is research a whole bunch of it, right? Not just on Starstock itself, because they become very liquid on baseball cards. A lot of rookies in there from the last two, three years. Grab some fantasy pages, grab some fantasy sites, grab some, you know, type into Google, you know, uh, 2021 baseball fantasy sleepers and see someone who has a chance to make their team. You know, grab an article from this week about the Dodgers or the Tampa Bay Rays or any team that you like or you follow and, and, you know, grab three or four teams and read an article that starts off with a headline like, this surprise this spring has a chance to make the big league squad coming out of spring training because you're going to find a dozen of those, right? And what I would say is you'll find those guys on Starstock, in Starstock A, right? And they'll probably be less than a dollar. Nickels, quarters, dimes, Spread those nickels, quarters, and dimes around. Find those five or six guys um, when the news articles are coming out in these next couple of weeks. Of, this guy has a chance to make spring you know, the, the lineup out of spring training and buy them. And when they do make it out of spring training or when they come up in a week or two or whatever it may be, you'll be turning those nickels, dimes, and quarters into, you know, 50 cents, 75 cents a dollar. But basically what you're doing there is you double and triple on your money without having to ship the cards, without having to do anything on it. Um, another way of doing it is find somebody who's a sure to come up now. It depends on your, your, your time frame. but what I'm doing with my star stock money is I'm not buying PSA tens of him, but I'm picking up anytime somebody lists a, a Wander Franco card for, you know, less than what it should be, you know, any of them, dollars, $2, $5, whatever it may be. I'm picking them up. It doesn't have to be the Chrome first Bowman. could be anything they have on there. I'm picking them up because he's coming up this year. I don't know when they'll probably wait till July. Um, but that's one where the week comes up, those cards will all go up. 
you will not be able to buy cards that week for the price you're able to buy them now. And that is really all we're talking about in this, right? You're, aren't you trying to find something to buy now that's going to be something you can sell for more in the very near future? You got that right there. He's coming up this year on the front row. So, you know. Say you want to go after guys on bad teams like SGA or De'Aaron Fox for long term. Is now the time to buy or wait for the offseason? Prices seem cheap. So, so SGA, the interesting thing about him is if you, if you believe the hype, um, you'll be able to find, you know, articles, posts, you name it, about how that team is stockpiled with talent and that they're, you know, if the thing breaks the right way with the Rockets finishing where they finish and et cetera, et cetera, they have the potential to have like, I think it's three picks in the top nine in next year's draft and just basically build up a real good team where, where every article will say future star SGA will be the one that leads that team. Well, at some point he has to move from future star to actual star. I mean, at the end of this year, isn't that three years in the league for him now? Right. I know he's young. I know he's a quality player, but you would think that if all he's ever had around him are, you know, could be talents, you know, guys who may make it in the NBA and he's the star. Well, then I would have expected a Trey type of year last year out of him. This, you know, I would have expected him to be the only guy who's scoring, put up some points, fill up the stat sheet. And while he does, he doesn't do it in a way where you look at him and say, wow, this is a, this is a star, right? This is, I know he's young, you know, he could turn into something good, but I don't view the ceiling on him as an MVP candidate. I view the ceiling on him as a very good NBA player, and somebody who potentially could be an all-star, but guys, Mike Conley was an all-star this year. Are you chasing Mike Conley cards? I mean, is that a guy you need to have in your PC? No, but I mean, a very good player. That's what I, that's what I see for SGA and that team. It's never going to be a team that people are like, wow, wow. I'm following that team. That I'm the Oklahoma city thunder. Yeah. I'm a, I'm a fan. I got to go get the thunder cards. You know, it's one thing if you're buying dort for a buck to flip it for four but you know that sga i i, I like the kid i bought i bought a psa 10 silver of his and my co-host here was like get rid of it it's basically dead money and he's right this is a really good comment uh and question so i'm gonna read the comment first then the question but this is from gtl card collector it's actually along the lines of what you just said baseball sleepers to watch bobby bradley Sean Murphy. Bradley. Yep. Bradley's really good. Shogo Akiya. Shogo Akiyama. Shogo Akiyama and others. All around $1 or less on Star Stuff. Thoughts? Mm-hmm. I'm trying to think of the less obvious prospects than usual. Alonzo, Tatis, Jimenez, Soto, Robert, Alvarez, Lux, Lewis. That's actually a question. So do you want to touch on that? Yeah, I mean, it goes with exactly what we just said. I mean, you can, you can look at any of those names. What I would say is, you know, somebody like Lux may not even get a chance to play this year. You know I'm a fan, but, you know, that's the, one of those really crowded teams. But if he does make it in, it's a team that is is favored to win the World Series. You know what I mean? So you know those cards will, will potentially go up. You're Dan Alvarez. Let's hope he's able to stay healthy. They'll probably DH him, but he's got the ability to really smack the ball around. Um, that's what she said. So, you know, I mean, it's one of those, like, you know, you have to look at what they're doing now. I've watched the Yankees, you know, I'd be buying Clint Frazier cards on, on star stock. You know, a guy you didn't mention because he's going to start in that team in the New York 
you know, area and, and basically be in the outfield and, you know, have a chance to score a hundred runs this year. And if he rakes the way that he has in limited amount of time, you know, that's a guy that no one's looking at um, because he's the recorded stepchild. Um, you know, Glaber Torres is beat up from the last couple of years. He might be good. Gary Sanchez has been beat up, but that's not, you know, that's not guys who are a year or two, um, you know, into the mix, but you can still get their stuff on star stock. Go ahead. You're interesting because like Buster Posey, I remember he came in mm-hmm. stud, uh, yep. Just a great, I mean, he's a great player, but from what I've heard is being in that crotch down uh, position is really tough on their legs and they start to fade as their career, uh, as their career drags on. Is that, is there any truth? So, so there is truth to the, you know, I have never been in the crotch down position that you are speaking about. I think what you're talking about is in the crouch, crouch you know, if you're thinking about Gary Sanchez's crotch, there is definitely something wrong with you, but but you, you I know what you're saying. What I was saying there, do you think that there's yeah, a... you, said, you said crotch, crotch. Ian's laughing. What's the matter, man? You're getting beat up in your bracket? Maybe this is something new to you guys. I mean, immigrants. <laughs> so I have a little bit of European. Also, I didn't help. know that Texas Southern was 16th and Michigan is 1. Why? You picked Texas Southern in your yes. bracket? Oh, here we go. Michigan's going to mm-hmm. smash. You did not pick Texas Southern. Yes, oh, he's so mad. He's so Michigan. mad. Michigan's going to win the, the championship. Southern. Where? Right here. That's all right. You got LSU going far anyway, so it doesn't matter. Um, yes, man. So listen, I, my, my apologies to, to my co-hosting immigrant um, for making the folks laugh about the crotch. Relax, Johnny. So, 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 no, so, I mean, listen, you're right. Catchers are tough. They don't have longevity. They wind up becoming, um, they wind up becoming first baseman or DHs. And even the best in my uh, lifetime. So you want to talk about like can't miss prospects. Here's somebody nobody even collects. Joe Mauer. Remember that name? Joe Mauer, Minnesota Twins, came up as a Minnesota kid. He was catcher, you know, MVP. He, I mean, one of these guys who was just like can't miss. He was going to have a career. He's going to be one of the all-time greats. But catcher just beats you up. He just beats the hell out of you. They've talked about moving him out of first base. And, you know, he's a guy who is almost forgotten now from a collector standpoint. But you know, that was one where if you did fantasy leagues and you needed to have a catcher, having Joe Mara was like, you know, like having Gronk as the tight end in his prime, you know, like, you know, he was so far head and shoulders above anybody else that you filled that category and you were done, you know, like it didn't make it. Oh, significantly. Posey's great. But Joe, look up Joe Mauer, man. He had some, he had some years where, I mean, that, I remember drafting him in the first round of the fantasy uh, fantasy drafts. I mean, he was he was a, he was a fantastic player, um, and yeah, catcher takes it out of you. So so back to the the question at hand here. Give me a sec. Um, yes, you can pick whatever rookie you like. Um, Alec Baum was one um, who's got cards this this year. Joe Adele, um, and I'd be looking Starstock to replace um, you know PSA. And I've sent some in. I'm going to continue to send some in. I've opened Topps flagship. I'm not grading any of them. I'm going to send these Joe Adele Topps cards into Starstock, and I'm going to be trading them this year. You know, I mean, that's that's just a way. It's just a way to do it. It's something different. It's 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 2021, baby. Flagship Series One rookies are not going to PSA anymore. We're we're, we're going on a two-hour episode here, so let's see if really uh, tangent nice. tangent cage can be a little bit more succinct. Um, or actually, I think you're doing an amazing job. So I apologize for what I just said there. Don't. Tangent. Tangent is you can figure out a tangent by the opposite and adjacent. 
That is that's the formula. Opposite of Jason is the tangent. Literally, Sign, after asking you to not be tangent, yeah. you decide I to go on a tangent. And trigger. explain and explain what tangent is yeah. in mathematics. Uh, I heard PWCC won't take HDA cars, but will take CSG. Too early for HDA, not enough to market. CSG, known for comic book grading, has grading at $8 and seems to be doing the same thing as HGA with custom slabs. Could CSG grading be a play? Yes, it could. I mean, listen, that's what we talked about, right? We talked about, like, you know, absorption, right? So, so if PWCC uses um, CSG grading or CGC grading, um, and they start selling, and you see that they're selling for a specific percentage of what PSA sells for, then sure, it becomes... Now, hybrid grading has been around for like, you know, a week and a half. I mean, when did we have them on the show? A few weeks ago? So I would bet that PWCC is just waiting for a track record, waiting to see that they don't fold up shop in a month. You're waiting to see that there's enough cards out there that there's a market for them and that people are actually paying for them. Um, and then I'm sure they'll, they'll you know, if, if, if they stick around long enough, I'm sure the PWCC will sell them. Um, no reason not to. They're graded cards. Um, but yeah, I mean, the $8 cards, I, I, um, I'll, I'll give you a real-world example. Um, my, one of the, the guys who works in my post office, a big comic book guy, and he's got Pokemon cards and comic cards. And I told him to use CSG, uh, CGC. I told him to use them for eight bucks instead of trying to go to PSA because in the comic world, people kind of accept them. You know what I mean? They already use them to grade their comics. So if you have Pokemon cards, comic type cards, you know, Marvel cards, I would think that the drop off in pricing from PSA down to them is probably not going to be that much. Um, so yeah, I think there's a play for $8 a card for the right type of card. Stacking gems. This is just a take. Cards are still way overvalued. <laughs> LOL. Uh, I'd love to tell you you're wrong, but, you know, I think you're right. But I, I do love our market, right? Because it has a way of fixing itself. And you guys know I'm a cheerleader on certain cards. You know, the Michael Jordan, you know, 86 Fleer is one. Cards I don't have, I'm still a cheerleader on, like, you know, the LeBron Chrome and the Kobe Chrome and that kind of stuff. If you look, when these cards make their new highs, they do the same thing all the time. I mean, these are all, it's all patterns. Our market, it, it has a way to fix itself. You know what I mean? It does, right? So that that Jordan went up to seven and change, then it was six, five, one sold last night for $460,000, right? This guy is a magician. So that's the question I wanted to get to. Lameem, I saved it for the middle. I didn't think we'd be this late on it. Uh, but he wanted you, specifically you, Cage. He knows you owe the Jordan 10, own the Jordan 10. Cover the Jordan sale from 700K to 450 will also be interesting to see what the Jordans end at tonight on Golden. Uh-huh. I bet you they end right where they are because with buyers premium, they're 480-something. Maybe you get one more bid and get them to five. Um, guys, anybody who has listened to me long enough, I think I did a Jordan thing with Starstock well over a year ago before um, with, um, with Slabstocks before our podcast even or right when we started. And we talked about the Jordan pricing and Jordan cards and Jordan star versus Jordan, uh, you know, 86 Fleer. And I talked about how that card does not go straight up. It goes up over time. If you, if you pull the chart back far enough, it's just a straight shot up, but it goes up and then it takes a step back and then it goes up and takes a step back. And it, that Jordan card is a microcosm for all, all of those high-end cards. But basically what happens is the card goes up 
and the supply comes out. So at $25,000, which, which was what it was at two and a half years ago, you found a bunch of them on eBay and then people bought them. And then they weren't available anymore, not on eBay, not on auction houses. And then ones that did come out went to 40, 45, 50, 60, up to 80. And then when they're at 80, all of a sudden, people who were buying them at 25 take them out of their collections and sell them because they've now made enough money on them. And when the price, when those, that supply comes out, the price drops a little bit. So you hit that 80, you get that record high, and then it's 70, 60. And then it settles in because the people who were ready to sell them sold them. The supply dries up, and it takes another leg up. And then you have the last dance where it becomes 100, 125, 100, whatever it is. And it, then it takes a little bit of a, a jump down. And in the summer, this past summer, I remember Mr. Mint is an account on eBay. He had one available. It was like freshly graded with a, you know, a, a 5 million number on PSA, 105 is what he wanted for the card. And this was right before like uh, the, the, the public auction, you know, the, uh, the, the collectibles one, the rally one where it was, you know, there was an offer for it. It was 200,000. And then that obviously got scooped up and then it was two, three, three went to six. Then it was seven. Well, when it goes from what's 200 or 300 to 700, every auction house has had one of these now. Right? Golden's had, I think, six since, if you include the two for tonight. There have been a couple for sale on PWCC. There are a few on eBay, a million bucks or best offer. Um, so you've seen them. They went from seven to six and change to five and change to now it looks like there's one that sold for four and change. It's an older holder, and it wasn't you know, the greatest card. But we'll see the couple for golden will be, you know, 500 high fours tonight. We'll see what they actually sell for. Um, I believe that this, this is that, that influx of supply at that new price of people taking their profit. That will ultimately dry up soon. You know, you're not going to have two of these in every golden auction every month going forward. It may take until the summer for it to dry up. And maybe by then the 400 range is, is, the, is the new floor. But when they dry up and people are looking for these things and they want to buy them, you're going to see it take another leg up. Now, does it hit a million dollars next year, the year after? Who knows? You never know what's going to happen with these cards. But the one thing that has been a pretty steady thing with that Jordan is it over a long period of time, it goes up. It doesn't go straight up. It goes up. It comes back down. It goes up. It makes new highs. And then it makes – right after it makes new highs – it makes a new higher low. And I think that's where we are right around now. I don't think we're going to see it go much lower than last night's PWCC sale and, and the golden sales are going to end tonight. Does that make sense? By the way, guys, the same thing is happening with Kobe and LeBron right now, right? That LeBron chrome and the Kobe chrome, those things were 45. What was the, was, was there a LeBron going for like 50, right? That LeBron chrome, right? It was definitely over 40. Well, didn't you tell me there was one on Starstock right now for like 32 or something like that? And they're 31-ish on eBay. So mm -hmm. it's the same exact thing that happened there. That card was a thousand bucks. Then it went to 7,500. Then it went to 15. Then after 15, it came back down to 7,500. Then it started going up again. Then it went all the way up to 40. Well, now it's back down to 30. Maybe it comes down to 25 or 28. And then maybe it continues its climb back up because once it went to 40, a ton of people who bought it for 5, 10, 15 said, wow, come on, I'm cashing out now. I'm making my money. The supply comes out. The price comes down. Now people are in it at 25. They're not so quick to sell at 35 or 40. The next time they sell might be when it's at 65 or 70. 
So if you if you take a step back and think about what happens with these prices, it, it makes sense. And you can look at charts over time the same way you will with the stock. Throwback Sports Cards actually commented on that. I've been watching MJ7s and 8s way down. This market is a beautiful mystery. Tread lightly, be smart. So there's that comment. I'll read that out since you left it for us. I appreciate it. Social card work. <laughs> Daughter got into Brown University. Congratulations. Wow, congratulations. Great school. Congratulations on taking out a lot of debt. <laughs> should we also say, exactly, should we also say where we, my, my condolences to your wallet because that, yeah. that school is not cheap. Yeah, and I mean, we could save our college thoughts for a later day. For you, well, I can I Can I give you a quick Brown story? I don't, second. I, don't, I, went, I toured Brown with my family and my father and I were on a tour of the dorms and um, we were kind of bringing up the rear, as I'm sure it doesn't surprise you, two large individuals. And as the, as the tour made a left down one of the hallways, we heard psst, psst, and it was two kids in one of the dorm rooms. They're like, come, come on here. And they offered my father and I, um, let's call it recreational. Um, uh, what's, what's the right word for a family podcast, Andrew? Um, it's green. I think it was in rolling paper. Um, I don't think it was a bong. Should we just say, uh, is a joint family friendly? Can you say that? Yeah. During my tour of Brown, I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a blunt guy, but sure. So my father was all about like, let's go. Let this is the school for you, man. <laughs> He's like, this is this this is the place. Of course, my mother was like, what? That happened on the tour. We go to horrible school. Yeah. How can they allow drugs on campus? <laughs> all right, go ahead, continue. That's my Brown story. It actually happened. You're a good family, kid. You're a lucky man. <laughs> yeah. I want to use as much card profit as possible. On what? My suggestion? One sec, one sec. I, I don't, I unlicensed to... massage therapists. No, he wants a to... A la Deshaun Watson. No, he wants to use card profit to pay for the college. Oh. As, no. oh, as it's still 30K with substantial financial aid. A thousand bucks to start. What would you do for short-term flips? That's not Star Stock or Top Shop. He wants to flip his way to paying off his daughter's college. So let me get this straight, right? I love this. Congratulations on your daughter getting into Brown. But if you're really asking, I want to take $1,000 and quickly turn it into 30 so I could pay for tuition, that question, while I love it, and I'm going to answer it and give you some ideas, is exactly what's wrong with the hobby today. I read a ridiculous uh, statement from Rick, Steiner, when you're a Steiner sports guy, about you put it in the New York Times about how like this hobby is a bubble and the whole deal. And I'm not as I'm not as, as crazy as him, but you shouldn't be expecting 30x within a couple of months on anything, anything, right? I know we've had a great run up, right? Um, and maybe there have been things that have gone 30x, you know, LeBron rookie over the last two years, but. Trying to find 30x now after the top stuff has already gone 30x and the next level of stuff has already gone four or five X, and well, it's gonna be very, very difficult, right? And people really need to reset their expectations on what a reasonable return on stuff is, especially when you know reasonable return in the market is what 10 12 percent in the stock market. I know cards are not the stock market and and you know the whole deal, but remember. 
if you're talking about making those kind of returns, you have to be talking about something that's a very speculative investment. And you also have to be willing to take significant risks and realize that you may lose your whole investment. That's the only way you can look at, you know, getting a 30 X return, um, you know, that quickly. So I want to take this question and say, thank you for asking it. Congratulations. And make sure that everybody hears what I'm saying. And it's, be reasonable about, about what you expect for your returns in this market, right? You can research and you can use your, you know, you can educate yourself and you can put yourself in a position to make money here, but I don't care who you are. 30X in this is as close to impossible as you, you get, you've got to get real lucky to go 30X, you know? Did you even 30X in Top Shot, man? You're like a Top Shot whiz. I know he said not putting money in Top Shot, but Definitely 30X not. is like, I mean, that's really, really tough. So way to put the thousand dollars as a gamble for 30X. You know, I hope you live close to Vegas, put it in a slot machine, maybe potentially 30X up there. I would, but in a, our, I would play a futures. If you're real, I would, I would say futures are the best way to hit 30X. Like, I think that this team will win the NCAA tournament, or I think this team will win the the East. Yeah, it's a straight gamble, right? It's a gamble where you, you either hit on it or you lose everything. So right. in in our hobby, what's a potential, you know, 30Xer? Hmm. Um, I would say your potential, and, you know, you have to put some time in on this, is did he say I can't do star stock or did he say I can't do top shot in the question? Neither. Nice. See, star stock, I, I did a shot with it because you can go on star stock right now and you can put a thousand dollars into like star stock B's of rookies that are a nickel each mm-hmm. and legit buy thousands. So you're talking about buying with a thousand dollars, you can buy 20,000 cards, you know, mm-hmm. like nickel cards, legit, like dime cards. You buy thousands of cards and you don't need all of them to pay off. But if, 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 if some of those, you know, 10 cent cards become dollar cards, you're talking about like significant returns, right? You're talking about 10X on, on, on some of these rookies and a card going to a dollar is not the craziest thing in the world. Obviously, um, you know, you got to get a little lucky there, but that would probably be what I would be doing. I'd be trying to scoop up as many of those cheaper rookie cards as I can. I'm trying to think where I would go right now. Um, thousand bucks to go 30 X. I got nothing. I know. I wish I, I wish I had something, but 30, 30 times. I mean, maybe in four years, right? Like, you, if you're taking student loans, you don't have to pay the tuition. Elton Johnson might be a pl- look. So, like, the Spurs haven't had a star for a really long time, and he just put up a 20 and 20 game. So, I, I could see Keldon Johnson being a bust or being good like he is now. But if he becomes a top 10 player, top seven player in the league, that might be a worth your investment. So, remember, it's, you know, he's not going to become a top. And it's also he wants to pay for the kids' college, right? So it's you know it's got to happen soon, sooner than later, right? I mean, what window are we giving? Are we giving the four years of college? Then yeah, Kelton Johnson is a nice play. Um, I would give you another one who you could buy really cheap right now. Um, I would tell you take your thousand dollars when Basketball Prism comes out, buy some nice Killian Hayes cards, right? From Detroit, he's injured. He's not going to be playing when Prism comes out, right? No one's going to be buying his stuff. Busted hip. You want your 30X, right? So because he has a busted hip, because he's not playing, his cards are going to be the ones that people are passing over. 
They're going to be your Dylan Windler and your Kyle Guy and your stuff that nobody cares about. Your stuff that when people are breaking um, their boxes and breaking their hips, but people are breaking their boxes and people are doing their online stuff. They're going to be like, oh, man, I got this guy. He's hurt. He broke, he busted his hip. But that's a guy, you know, maybe, maybe you're buying his prism cards for a buck, right? His prism rookies for a dollar. Maybe buy a thousand of them at a, at a buck a piece. And maybe he comes back next year and he fully recovers from his hip. Maybe he has a good year. And maybe you're selling them for, you know, 20, 20 bucks a card or whatever it is. Because he was supposed to be pretty good. And he, you know, he got a pretty bad injury to his hip. So there's an idea for you. But it's also one where the odds are against you, as they should be if you're asking for something that's going to go 20 or 30x. But that would be an idea for you. I'm going to kill you in Hayes action. Drake's PCS. I have a sealed box of 1997 Panini WWF stickers. The collector needs Ooh. to open it. Enjoy the cards, brave song. The investor in me says to keep it sealed long-term. How do I decide which route to take on a box like this or even any kind of sealed wax? Um, if you are, so it's the investor in you. If you're a wrestling guy, right? And you're going to enjoy opening that up with somebody, friends, or, you know, family member, something like that. Open it, grade it, you name it. I'm not a huge wrestling guy. I'm not a huge, you know, Donkey Kong guy, Harry Potter guy. I mean, I like all these things. I have found the ability to keep some sealed wax recently, um, which is something I, I didn't think I'd ever be able to do. And remember, I'm only a couple of months into keeping them. So who knows? It might be a rainy day and over them anyway. But I, I have some wrestling sealed and I have some Potter sealed and I have some Marvel sealed. And, um, you know, I'm keeping them off to the side. Donkey Kong that I just bought, you know, keeping them sealed because I think it's just cool to have some sealed wax that I think will ultimately go up. Um, so the, the, the thing that, that binds all of the boxes I just told you that I'm keeping sealed is I'm not a huge fan of any of them. I think they all have value to people who are fans, but I don't specifically love Harry Potter myself. So I, it's easy for me to keep it closed. That's one. Two, it's going to be easier for me to keep those boxes closed now than it was two months ago. Because a Potter box with Potter stickers and all that other fun stuff, right? You know, when it was 15 bucks to grade them, okay, let me send in the Hermione Grangers. Let me send in the, the, the Harry Potter and the Ron Weasleys and whoever the heck else. And if I get a nine, I'm still doing fine. If I get a 10, I'm making a killing. But now it's 50 bucks to grade something. Not so much. I don't know. What do I have to pull out of one of those boxes, you know? Um, to actually grade it, you know, same thing with your wrestling stuff, right? Unless you pull the limited edition Ric Flair or whatever it may be out of those things, are you really going to grade any of those things? Do you spend the money to grade? Because now it becomes, instead of set, you know selling a sealed box for profit, now you're you're gambling, and you know you better hope you pull something good out of that box, and if you do, you better hope it's good enough that you can grade it and it's in good enough condition that when you grade it, you're going to make enough money to, uh, you know, get a return on the box. Dennis, Keep it sealed, man. Keep it sealed. <laughs> Dennis Patrick Zender. Cool name. Really cool name. Sounds like a, uh, sounds like an assassin. He very much does. Um, thoughts on Justin Verlander long-term play. Hall of Famer, twilight of career and undervalued right now. Trying to decide between a Verlander black tops chrome refractor rookie PSA 10 versus a Mario Lemieux 85 tops PSA 9. Buy the Lemieux. 
Wow. That was quick. And I'm not even a hockey guy, by the way. You know I'm a baseball guy. I like Berlander. You could go on a tangent. You could just answer with one word. Jesus. Well, so the answer, but don't you want to, the reasoning, this isn't a tangent. It's by Lemieux. Lemieux is an all-time great. And even if Berlander goes down as a top 50 pitcher of all time, which is stretching it, in our our hobby, people just don't love pitchers, man. They just don't. Um, You know, for the same money, get the Lemieux every single time. Uh, pitchers are tough. Uh, I, you know, he, yeah, he won a championship. He won, you know, Cy Young and, and all that other fun stuff. But I, I can name a whole bunch of pitchers that are better than him and they don't have the, uh, you know, the scandals around them and the other stuff. So I wouldn't be buying Verlander. But remember, I'm a Yankee fan. So I love, it. love it. I love it, brother. I'm just, I'm just having a laugh with you. You're, Listen, you're no, you're, it's me. true. I, I do, I do go off on a tangent quite often. Um, you're gonna but, like, you know, you're gonna like this question. Good. Are you ready? I'm ready. This is from Pancake Analytics. <laughs> All right, it's a good start already. Entertainment cards. The Simpsons is a sleeping giant. Do you agree? Um, sure. Um, I probably would put my money in the Simpsons before Garbage Pail Kids um, or before some of the other things that people are putting their money into because it is something that has, you know, stood the test of time. It's still going on right now. You know, I mean, this is, uh, you know, they're now a Disney property. So, you know, take that for whatever it's worth. They got some additional money behind it as well. Um, and yeah, I mean, if you can get them cheap enough, the, the the thing I will I will caveat it with, right? And this goes for even the Potter plays that I made and, and all the fun stuff, right? The flipping stuff we talked about, the flipper who was in this stuff, that is what's making the Potter stuff and maybe the Simpsons stuff and the Marvel stuff. That's what's making those things grow in price, right? It's not the couple of people who love Marvel so much that they want to grab the card. It's the headlines, it's, it's Slab Stocks just posted a chart today about the value of the Thanos PSA 10, right? That's why people are buying Marvel because you can get a $1,000 Thanos PSA 10 out of the box, right? Not because people really want a Thanos card, I don't think, um, and definitely not at those prices, but because you can buy a Thanos card for a dollar, I got a dozen Thanos cards in my basement. They're just not tens. Um, but here's the, the fun of it, right? The, the warning. I think if we have any kind of contraction in the hobby, that those are the things that are going to go down in value first. So I think Mickey Mantle and Michael Jordan and Mike Trout and Wayne Gretzky and Mario Lemieux, and I think those guys are all safe. Could they go down in value? A little, sure. But I think people who have now spread their money pretty thin into all of these other things, I think that you're going to see people liquidate those fringe parts of their collection before they liquidate the core. And the fringe is going to be the Simpsons. The fringe is going to be Potter. Fringe is going to be tennis and golf. You know, I mean, they might not be as fringe as The Simpsons, but, you know, I wouldn't go too crazy with them. You know, look, I have I have plenty of weird stuff also. Um, but those would be the first ones that I personally would try to sell. I'm not selling Mickey Mantle, you know? 
I think we cool got idea. We're going on over an hour. We couldn't do. There's so many questions this week, Cage. We couldn't get to all of them. Nice. I well, tried to prefer uh, give preferential treatment to the people submitted first. Is that fair? Yes. So here's what I would say we're going to do, right? So, and tell me whether you like this or not. Um, save the questions, message the people who we didn't, um, that we didn't get to, and also put another post up that we're going to get to all of their questions and we want people to ask more. And you and I will do on the Luca Nation um, group, we'll do a live this week. And we'll answer the questions. We'll do a, we'll do a special edition coffee with Cage live one evening this week coming up. That makes sense. <laughs> no, no good. You don't want to do it live. That's all right. Take every question that you didn't we didn't answer. Message them. Yep. Message them. Well, it's one big message, guys. Here, how about this? I'll send the message out right now. If you happen to send us a question and we did not get to it, we still want to answer it. So what we're gonna do is here's my message being sent out to all of you guys wait for our post. We're going to let you know what day and we're going to go live one day this week. Maybe we'll do it Wednesday. Maybe we'll do it Thursday. We're going to go live one day this week and we're going to answer all your questions. We're going to have some fun. And Andrew's going to be on there answering questions too. He's not just going to sit back and ask. He's going to answer. And maybe we'll bring up, we'll bring a couple of you guys up there with us. Cause I think you can put five, four people live in a live now. I think you can put four people in there. So we'll bring a couple up there with us. You can ask your questions. You can, you know, you can comment. We can have some fun with it. We haven't done a live. So we might yeah. as well do one. A lot of content, Cage. Where we do an episode every every day, but you're we'll make it happen. I love it. Yes, I'll do it myself. If you're tired, you know, if you're hungover on the kombucha that you pretend and tell me you're not drinking, you know, if you're uh, what'd you say you're eating instead? Bananas and tomatoes. If you've eaten too many bananas and tomatoes that day, right now I'm so excited. I made uh, I made tomato sauce. I'm making pasta with uh, a little chicken. I'm, I'm really tomato sauce, pasta, and chicken. How are you making the chicken? What's in the chicken? Pesto. Chicken, pesto, pasta with tomatoes. Well, you're not going to put the pesto sauce with the pasta? No. I'm just going to fry the chicken up. In, I'm going to marinate it in pesto. I'm going to marinate Ooh. broccoli in pesto. I'm going to fry up the chicken and the broccoli, and then I'm going to make pasta with my fresh-made tomato sauce, and then combine at the end. It's going to be So fun. are you making the tomato sauce, like, yeah. out of tomatoes? So you do it's in no. fresh tomatoes, you cook the tomatoes, you slice in the garlic and the onion. Are you using the Clemenza method? everything that you said garlic tomatoes uh, garlic tomatoes salt pepper olive oil butter all that good shit but i get the tomato out of a can yeah that's fine so you cut the you use canned tomato can i make a suggestion i don't like tomato sauce in cans i like whole tomatoes whole tomatoes do you put a little wine in no red or white no wine in the tomato sauce red or white wine either do you put a little wine in well, actually, that's a good point. So I've added sugar. I don't have sugar. Now, I was just going to say, put the sugar. Eat a little sugar. Cut the acidity. Yeah, that's the little trick. I love it. But I don't have sugar right now, and I don't want to go across the store just for sugar. So put some right. wine in instead. Just a touch of red wine? Yep, that works. Amazing. I'm going to do that. A I have a right red there. wine works. Dude, red yep. wine can be crazy hangovers, too. Like, I have such a bad headache after drinking too much red wine. Cardboard grates asked. By the way, I love cooking, so that's a fun little fact about me. Um, there we go. I love, I love cooking with girls, actually, specifically a lot more. That's so my he cooks girls. Hannibal Lecter, ladies and gentlemen. No, I'm going to eat your I, liver with a side of fava you. beans. You know what I said? I like cooking with girls. Listening oh, with to music. girls. With uh, girls. Cooking dinner together is one of my 
probably most favorite activities. You know, normally I would say that you have to do something at least six or seven times in your life before you can call it a favorite, not two. So I don't know whether you can say cooking with girls and listening to music is your favorite. I, I mean, you have to do it a few more times, pal. Mm, well, you'll ask my sister. <laughs> Unless your sister, it doesn't count. Cooking with your sister doesn't count. Come on. What right, music you'll, you'll, ask, you'll ask my ex or my ex ex or. It's a lot of exes. Why do you have so many exes? I don't know, man. Why? I think I'm a good dude. I think I'm a catch. <laughs> All right. Well, listen. You know, uh, you have to take some pictures. Be be like everybody else and put the food. Put it up on Instagram. I need a post. I need the pesto sauce. We gotta see what it looks like. Chicken pesto. Post it later. Hey, Ian. Um, he's so cute. Um, what was I gonna say? Oh, Patrick, but David, who we're having on the show, I believe the 30th of March. Um, yes. He actually recommends not getting married till you're 30. So, fun fact. Cool idea. All right, last one. He recommends one. not getting married till you're 30. Well, it, I'm taking it out of context because it was like a full, it was a conversation. But like before he got married, he even asked himself, you know, would I let my daughter marry someone like me? And he's like, no, I got to go and do some work on myself. And there's a lot of pre-work, you know, from 25 to 30 that you do when it comes to maturing and being responsible and taking care of your bills and having good finances and all that other stuff before bringing on someone else. Because you bring on someone else and and you're not 100% you, or you're not living up to your potential, you're just going to drag them down. I'm going to be 45 this year, and I wouldn't let my daughter marry somebody like me. So I, <laughs> that's what it is. Patrick <laughs> by David sounds like a genius. Can't wait to have him on. <laughs> Cardboard great test. Although it has now pulled back, although it has now pulled back some, we've seen Jordan go up 10x. The 52 mantle cell made all mantles explode. Jeter's cards have went up exponentially. LeBron has went up crazy. Who's next? That who's next? What's the next big play? Which five to ten K cards are still out there that haven't seen their potential yet? Any year, any sport, any grade. I've considered everything from a 33 Ruth to a 2020 Herbert. Oh, Jeff, it's a great question. Although Can I answer? Jordan hasn't been a five to ten k card in four years, but yeah, go ahead and answer. And I, I have mine. That, I already know one. I think that I think the Ted Williams nineteen thirty nine play ball, and I, I'm selfish about that because I got in it from a fractional share. Uh, I know a few big wigs who've got that card, so that helps. I'm gonna go with that one. But how is that like a ten k card? Oh, you're, you're right. People to buy it in like like PSA six or PSA five or four or something like that. Just yeah. it doesn't matter what grade it is. Buy it. Okay, that makes sense. So I have one for you, Jeff. Um, Mike Trout. Mike Trout next. Um, his cards are undervalued, especially when you compare him to what's going on over here now. And he's ultimately going to go down as like this generation's LeBron-ish. I'd love it if he won something. You know, maybe he's Griffey because he's one of the greats and not going to be, you know, the number one in any specific category. But you can still buy his cards way too cheap. The ones that I'm talking about are, remember, he didn't have Chrome. So go look at this 2011 Tops update, Parallels. My favorite, and I own this, so I'll be selfish here, is his gold parallel. I believe the last time I looked, there were 50 of them. So you're talking about significantly less than a lot of the cards you named, the LeBrons, the Jordan, um, you know, it's, there's more of this than there are of the Jeter SP but it's a really condition sensitive rookie card of one of the greats. Uh, would be great if he won a championship, but 
the gold version of this card, which is cool because, you know, people still buy gold. You still buy gold, um, you know, of Soto or Tatis or whatever. They're still making it. Um, it's numbered card to 2011. It's real difficult to get it in a PSA 10. But I'm pretty sure the last one sold for about $15,000, right? To me, if you're asking me what's the next kind of card that can go huge 5X, you know, the same way that Joe Montana's rookie went from 27 to 100, uh, the way Rice's rookie card went from 30 to like, you know, 125 or 150, the same type of, of jump there. It wouldn't surprise me if that gold update that there's only 50 of was a 75 to $100,000 card, which you can buy now for less than 20. So take that for what it's worth. That would be the one I'd look at. There are other parallels. There's a Walmart blue that's pretty rare, but I, you know it sells cheaper, and I, I like that one. The Target red is real condition sensitive. It looks good with his Angels uniform. It's got some red in it in that picture. And that one may even go for more than the gold, but it's not numbered, so it's difficult to know how many of them are out there. I stick with the gold. Um, you know, A little bit of the reason why it might not fly is because there are those other parallels out there. But that's my guy, man. I go with Mike Trout. You know, he's the guy who could win the MVP every year if, uh, if they wanted to give it to him. Love it. I just took your idea and put wine in my tomato sauce, which is nice. Luke we, we love you. We'll be back with another episode tomorrow where we give our daily play. Any final words, Cage? Yeah, man. Yeah. Stir the sauce. You don't want it to stick. You don't want it to burn. It doesn't make a difference. Henry Hill will tell you, stir the sauce. Stir well, the I, sauce. I keep it on low and I simmer it for a few hours. Yeah, you got to cook it for a long time, man. It's a whole day thing. The gravy. Yeah. The gravy. You're making the gravy. That's it, man. All right, everybody, thank you so much for the questions. We will get to all the ones we didn't get to, we promise. Take care. Thank you for spending some time with us on another episode of the Lucas Tigers and Bronze Oh My podcast. Um, do us a favor and like, subscribe. Now, you know what? Don't just like and subscribe. Everybody does that. If you like us, tell your friends, tell your neighbors, tell your enemies, tell everybody. And uh, we hope you got something from spending some time with us today, and we'll see you next time. Thank you.